Playoffs? Playoffs? You kidding me? The Seahawks are very much alive in the postseason race after beating the Eagles on Monday Night Football. But just how much did that improve their standing? And who should Seahawks fans be rooting for in other games in Week 16? We'll be breaking it all down on Matchup Wednesday on Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks. Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings 12. This is Corbin Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast, your daily Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy holidays to all the 12s out there. And thank you as always for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week, whether you're listening in Pullman, Washington, or over in Lexington, Kentucky. Thanks for making it your first listen five days a week. It's matchup Wednesday. We're going to be diving into all the key positional battles to watch when the Seahawks travel to Nashville to face off against the Titans on Christmas Eve. This matchup Wednesday is brought to you by the Game Time app. Create an account and use the code Locked on NFL for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Now for your lead story here on Matchup Wednesday on Locked on Seahawks. Going into Monday's game against the Eagles, the Seahawks found themselves on the precipice of being eliminated from postseason contention, but with the upset win at Lumen Field and some help from the Vikings and Packers, things are looking much better here heading into Week 16 with three games to go. Though the Seahawks are still on the outside looking in, they're the eighth seed right now. They did move up a spot, Rob, and... Going into this three-game stretch, they got out of this gauntlet. They lost a lot of those games, but they got out of the gauntlet. Now they get their opportunity here to finish strong. And with that win on Monday night, they certainly have improved their chances of getting back to the postseason. Yeah, they absolutely have. And it's not just because they got out of the gauntlet. It's it's because they now have a winnable three-game stretch ahead of them where they're going to be basically – I don't want to – Put all of the pressure on Vegas and odds makers and things like that. Um, but the reality is, is that the Seahawks were understandably the underdogs in the last five consecutive games. And now they are expected to be the favorites in the next three consecutive games. So Corbin, if the Seahawks are able to pull off this four game winning streak, which we're hoping, at least Vegas is anticipating that, that Seattle might be able to pull off and they, uh, they hypothetically would be among the hottest teams entering the playoffs. So again, there's an awful lot of reason to be excited. Yeah, you look at this upcoming weekend and the nerd that I am, I had to go through every single playoff scenario. If you haven't checked out the New York Times playoff simulator, I highly recommend it. Although maybe it would be good for you not to if you don't want to have something that you become obsessed with because I have been visiting this page frequently and I broke down all the playoff scenarios going into this weekend. And the Packers, even though they're still alive, what happens in their game against the Panthers this weekend really does not have much sway on the Seahawks' playoff chances, regardless of whether they beat the Titans or lose in Nashville. The games that really matter, Rob, one coming up tomorrow night on Thursday Night Football, the Rams hosting the Saints, and that is a big game for both teams. The Saints are still very much battling for an NFC South crown and maybe even a wild card if they could win out and get to 10 wins. 
there's a chance the NFC South maybe could have two playoff teams, which is crazy to consider how poor that division's been all year. But you just look, those of you watching on YouTube, you look at the scenarios. If the Rams, the Vikings, who play the Lions this week, and the Packers all lose and the Seahawks win, their playoff chances vault up to 82%. If the Seahawks lose and that scenario plays out, 41% is much lower, but that still would give them a reasonable chance to get into the playoffs with two games to go. Really, Rob, the Rams game is the one that sways things. If the Rams lose to the Saints and the Seahawks win on Sunday against the Titans, they're looking at a 70-plus percent chance of making the postseason regardless of what happens in these other games. And so, ultimately, this shouldn't be hard for Seahawks fans. It's the Rams. They're an NFC West rival. They've got the tiebreaker of the Seahawks, but you should be rooting diehard like like you're a diehard Saints fan on Thursday night football because that is clearly the game that has the most bearing on Seattle's playoff chances going into this week. Well, and it's not just this week. Uh, you know, as you said, I think there's a, a argument that could be made that the Saints are going to wind up beating the Rams. And the Saints are a pretty good football team. But to me, when I look ahead to what the Rams have to do the next couple of weeks, they after the Saints, they have to go on the road to the New York Giants. Giants are playing pretty decent football. And then the, the Rams finish their season on the road against the San Francisco 49ers. Now, there's a possibility that the 49ers aren't playing for much at that point. Clearly, at this point, they're the number one seed in the NFC. But still, uh, the 49ers clearly are a dominant football team. So, again, the point I was trying to make before here is it's not only about this week. Obviously, the Seahawks' playoff chances are going to improve if they are able to go to Tennessee and get that victory. And if the Rams lose against the New Orleans Saints this uh, on Thursday night, but also again, to me, one of the the huge factors here is what happens if when the Rams get to Week 17, or I guess it's going to turn out to be Week 18, of course, with the bye. And, and so that, to me, is where this thing gets interesting: is if the Seahawks kind of hold serve as expected, win the games if they are expected then the rams the packers the vikings all the teams that are currently uh right there is a step for step with the seahawks they have much more formidable schedules coming up than the seahawks do yeah and i think the other thing is worth noting here those that are looking at our chart if the rams and the seahawks both win there's still a good chance the seahawks make the postseason if they can have the packers and the vikings lose so if you are looking at the game on Thursday night and saying, well, the Saints winning would improve their chances of being a wild card team if they don't win their division and the Buccaneers win it, then, you know, maybe the Rams winning isn't a huge deal. Or maybe we expect the Rams are going to make the playoffs anyway. The Seahawks would have an 81% chance of getting in the postseason if the Rams and Seahawks win this weekend and the Vikings and the Packers continue to slip up. So you could also make an argument if you're somebody that wants the NFC West to look really good in the postseason, have three teams make the playoffs. Hey, NFC North, keep tripping up here in these last couple of games. The Vikings look very vulnerable. The Packers absolutely look vulnerable the last couple of weeks. The Panthers just had a huge win over the Falcons. So maybe the Panthers can beat the Packers at home this week. So rooting against the NFC North and rooting against the Rams, those should be the popular picks for Seahawks fans. But most notably, and I've talked about this, the last couple of days since the win over Philadelphia. Seattle does not control its own destiny, but it controls it more than it did on Monday night. And what I mean by that is going into Monday night, they had conference tiebreakers that they were losing out to everybody. They get that big conference win that's going to help them. 
And you get teams like New Orleans that have only four conference wins. So even if the Saints play back into contention for a wild card spot, Seattle's got that feather in its cap right now. So they certainly improved their odds there. Seattle could win out and get to 10 and 7 and not make the playoffs, but that would require the Vikings and the Rams to both win out. And the Vikings have two games against the Lions, who still have an outside shot at the number one seed. If the 49ers tripped up once and the Lions won out, they would have a chance to be the number one seed. So they've got plenty to play for in the Motor City. And those are tough games. And oh, by the way, the Packers and the Vikings play each other sandwiched exactly. in between there too. So somebody's going to lose that game. Yep. So that sets up well for the Seahawks. My point is that they could win out and still get out of the playoffs, but it would take all kinds of dominoes falling into place. If they can just take care of their own business, we're looking at a 98, 99% chance they're making the postseason, barring an unforeseen uh instance where you have all these teams win out I just don't see it happening it's Seattle's got to take care of their business that's the key here but they are in a much better position than what they were a week ago getting that win over the Eagles you get the conference win you get the momentum of beating the defending NFC champions in prime time you're going to get Geno Smith back this week maybe Devin Witherspoon there's a lot of reason to be excited with these three games remaining and certainly the Seahawks have improved their standing you still got to be rooting against some of these other teams that they are competing against for those playoff spots. Up next, it's Matchup Wednesday. We're going to dive into all the key positional battles to watch when the Seahawks are on defense going up against the Tennessee Titans in Nashville. Don't go away. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast. This episode is brought your way by Game Time. If you've ever been in the hunt for sports or concert tickets in the last minute, the process can be anxiety-provoking. Tickets to your shouldn't be stressful to the point that you're pulling your hair out and you look like me. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you, and they've got killer deals on last-minute tickets. With their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you're going to have. If you want to see the Seahawks battle the Titans in Nashville on Christmas Eve, using Game Time's awesome flash deals feature and a detailed stadium map, I just look. You can get seats for under $35 right now, and it's super easy. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. That includes during the holiday season, and the Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section in a row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Again, create an account and redeem the code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off. Terms apply. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. You're listening to Matchup Wednesday here on the Locked On Seahawks podcast. I'm your host, Corbett Smith. Glad to be joined, as always, by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. A happy holidays to each and every one of the 12s out there. And thank you, thank you, thank you for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. Don't forget to check out Locked On has officially launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you for your 24-7 coverage of the top sports stories of the day. We've got local experts from Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. The Seahawks have all the momentum coming out of their win over the Eagles 
on Monday Night Football, but there's still much work left to do to get to the playoffs. And it starts with what could be a trickier road game than what records would suggest. The Tennessee Titans, the Seahawks have had issues in the past winning in Nashville, and the Titans still have several players in their team that were on the roster a few years ago when this was a team that was a playoff darling, made a deep run in the AFC. They've got a very good coach in Mike Vrabel. You look from a defensive perspective for the Seahawks, Rob, and this Titans team, it's been a rough year on offense for them for the most part, and a lot of it boils down to the offensive line play. They lost some really good players in free agency. Taylor Lewan retired. Nate Davis went to the Chicago Bears, and this is a very young team. They've got a top 10 pick, or top 15 pick, and Peter Skaronsky that has started most of the games for this year, but that looks to me like the position group, particularly in the interior, that the Seahawks should be licking their chops about going into this game because this has been an offensive line, especially inside, that has had a hard time protecting the quarterback or creating room for Derrick Henry out of the backfield. Yeah, Corbett, I think that you just uh, you know explained it very, very well here. I, I think that certainly whoever is playing at the quarterback position for the Titans, obviously that is going to play a huge factor. And when you think of the Tennessee Titans, again, just as obviously you think about, as you mentioned, Derrick Henry. But really, it doesn't re- it doesn't matter who is playing quarterback. It doesn't matter that Derrick Henry remains an absolute star in the NFL if the Seahawks are able to control the line of scrimmage against a Tennessee Titans offensive line that, you know, two fifths of of their, of their, of their starting five along the front are, are rookies. Um, And you have a defensive line from the Seahawks that has been one of the strengths of the team all year long. And right now is playing with a great deal of confidence, especially Leonard Williams, who again was absolutely fantastic against the, against the Philadelphia Eagles. Jaron Reed is arguably, arguably been, Seattle's most consistent defensive player all season long. You mentioned Peter Skaronsky, who was a left tackle at Northwestern, was drafted, I believe, number 12 overall uh, by the Tennessee Titans, has since moved inside to left guard. Jalen Duncan was a sixth-round pick. Now, hey, I was a big fan of Jalen Duncan. I believe that he was a top-10 offensive tackle in this draft because I was stunned when he fell to the sixth round, but still. He was a sixth round pick who is now starting at left tackle for the Tennessee Titans. That's going to be going up against Leonard Williams and Jaron Reed. If the Seahawks are able to hold up at the point of attack as well against Tennessee as they did a, just a couple of days ago against the Philadelphia Eagles, then I really think, again, that it doesn't matter much who the Tennessee Titans are starting at the quarterback or running back positions. On the outside, though, the Titans, if you've got question marks about the offensive line. You don't have question marks about DeAndre Nuke Hopkins, who is still an outstanding receiver. Maybe not a top 10 guy anymore, but to me, he is in that discussion at least still. And we've seen him blossom with Will Levis, a quarterback. Will Levis may or may not be available on Sunday with a high ankle sprain. From what I've been told, it's, it's trending towards him not being available. And probably Ryan Tannehill is going to be the quarterback. But either way, DeAndre Hopkins has had a lot of instability at that position this year, and he has still got over 900 receiving yards. He's caught six touchdowns in a passing offense that has been grounded for a lot of this season. And the Seahawks, on the other hand, Devin Witherspoon's been out for the last game and a half. He may or may not be back in this game. Hopkins is primarily going to play on the outside. And interestingly enough, Reek Woolen, one of his best games last year was against Hopkins when he was with the Cardinals. 
And we don't know whether he or Mike Jackson is going to get to start this week. And it sounds like right now Pete Carroll is truly playing the always compete card down with a dice roll. Hey, you guys each week, you got to win the starting job and you can play. We'll mix in whoever loses the competition, get some snaps, but they are competing week in, week out. And that's what they did with Mike Jackson last week. But whoever's on the outside, you're going to have to deal with DeAndre Hopkins, who is still very much an elite wide receiver in this league. Yeah, I think this is going to be fascinating for the Seahawks. I mean, obviously, you'd love to have your number five overall selection, Devin Witherspoon, back on the field. But for those of you watching on YouTube, and thank you, thank you, thank you, as Corbin said a couple of moments ago, thank you for all of our watchers, all of our listeners. If you are watching on YouTube, you can see Mike Jackson up there. And i that's the actually the player who I think makes the most sense for Seattle to continue starting in this football game. I, I, I tried to argue for Mike Jackson playing more um, this past week against the Philadelphia Eagles because he is physical. He is a highly competitive player, and that's basically what New Hopkins is. I mean, New Hopkins at his best, DeAndre Hopkins, New Hopkins, whatever you want to call him, at his best, he is a 4-5, four, 4-6 four, kind of a guy. Straight line speed has never been his game. It's always been about physicality. It's always about going up there and, and catching the ball at its highest point, uh, playing above the rim. That's Mike Jackson's game as well. I think the two of them match up nicely, just the way that Mike Jackson and A.J. Brown and the Philadelphia Eagles match up pretty nicely from a Seahawks perspective. So, sure, would you like to have Devin Witherspoon available? Obviously, Trey Brown has made a great deal of big plays himself. Rick Woolen, as you mentioned just a moment ago, Cor Corbin, I mean, Rick Woolen is such an athletic dominant factor that, sure, you'd love to have him on the field. But I also think the Seahawks basically feel pretty confident. They have a corner in Mike Jackson who might be able to play that man in the mirror, so to speak, against a guy who is as physical as DeAndre Hopkins is. I think what you're seeing right now with Mike Jackson getting the start this past week, Pete Carroll basically sent a message to the entire defense. I'm going to play people that play their assignments correctly and they play what we coach correctly. He called out Jamal Adams. He called out Reek Woolen for missed assignments in the previous game. And he's called out Reek Woolen a couple times earlier this year. We, we don't see this much from Pete Carroll, but he has called him out about tackling issues all year long. You don't have to worry about that with Mike Jackson. If you watch the Eagles game Monday night, he was smacking dudes. Even after they caught the ball along the sidelines, he made sure to send a message, hey, you're going to pay a toll for getting a catch against me. I'm going to hit you along the sideline. He made a play against a screen in that game where he pancaked Devontae Smith, who was trying to block him and failed miserably, and then made the tackle on Dallas Goddard, a huge athletic tight end, two yards in the backfield. That was a textbook play. So you get the physicality, you get the instincts, you get the assignment sound play. And I think that's why Mike Jackson is probably the starter moving forward for the rest of the season, because Reek Woolen has time and time again failed to fully get his assignments down pat and Pete Carroll is tired of it. So I think Mike Jackson's earned that opportunity. When we're talking about the Titans though, we can look at Duke Hopkins. We can look at the matchups and the offensive line. At the end of the day, I've stood next to Derrick Henry and there's a reason why he is comfortably one of my three favorite players that I have ever watched that hasn't played in a Seahawks uniform. He is up there with Barry Sanders and Mike Allstott for my three all-time favorites. And he statistically has not had a great season. He's averaging just 3.8 yards per carry, but he's got 884 rushing yards. He's got 10 touchdowns, 
And he is still very much the tractor Cedo out of the backfield. This guy has been plowing dudes all year long. If you watch the Titans play, the numbers are strictly down because the offensive line play has been so poor. When he has had blocking in front of him, this guy is still a 265-pound wrecking ball. And Jordan Brooks, Bobby Wagner, the rest of Seattle's defense, the back seven particularly, you better bring your hard hat because if you don't, Derrick Henry is going to turn you into part of the Nissan Stadium turf. <laughs> well said. You know, that, that's the thing. And that's one of the reasons why, as I mentioned a moment ago, I, I'm so confident the Seahawks are, are very likely to stick with Mike Jackson at the cornerback position because of his sound tackling ability. Because, look, I, I think that where you need to focus in on is the defensive line, as we talked about a moment ago. And obviously Seattle's linebackers and Bobby Wagner and Jordan Brooks. But you also are going to have to gang tackle against a back that has the size still the straight line speed the cutback ability that derrick henry possesses he may be 265 pounds he also is going to run into four fours or four fives which is absolutely incredible it's a cheat code rob he is one of of those created in a lab players yeah it it really is i mean he's an unbelievable player he's he's actually just to kind of give uh you know seahawks general manager john schneider some credit i remember having conversations with john about uh derrick henry prior uh to the draft in which he was selected and and john was very very high on on derrick henry I was not as high on him coming out of Alabama. And obviously I was wrong in in that regard. And that to me is again, one of the reasons why the Seahawks have to have a defensive backfield, not only the linebackers, not only the defensive line, but a defensive backfield that is going to rally to the football is going to not only drop a shoulder into ball carries, but also wrap up cleanly. Still, the most important point here is I think it's the linebacker position. Obviously, that's where you get most of your tackles. Bobby Wagner and Jordan Brooks have been very solid all season long. They've got to be more than solid in this particular football game. And again, it's not just about Derrick Henry. Tajay Spears, the quote-unquote other running back for the Tennessee Titans. He's had a pretty spectacular rookie season for the Titans as their so-called number two back uh, so far this season as well. So again, whether it be the big burly Derrick Henry, whether it be the more of a slasher and Tajay Spears, stopping the Tennessee running game is the number one step you have to take if you're going to beat this team. We're going to switch gears. We're going to go to the Seahawks on offense. They're hoping to have Geno Smith back in the starting lineup in Nashville. We'll be looking at the key matchups to watch. Seahawks offense versus Titans defense. That's coming up next year on Matchup Wednesday on the Locked on Seahawks podcast. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America, and it's the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. You're not going to have to deal with other players, pros, sharks. You are just going against the numbers. You pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections. Watch the winnings roll in. Prize Picks is really simple to play. I can make all my selections and submit an entry in less than 60 seconds. So if you're worried about time, that is not an issue. And with basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the specials league. This is my favorite thing with prize picks. I can do Steph Curry and Jackson Smith and Jigba at 11 and a half three-pointers plus receptions. Prize picks even offers a reboot policy. So if your entries have injuries 
They're still going to be staying in there. For football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player gets rebooted. And Price Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform that offers an injury insurance policy. Price Picks is an absolute blast each week, and it's an easy way to enjoy daily fantasy without the hassle and land quick winnings. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked in NFL right now and use the code locked in NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. That's pricepicks.com slash locked in NFL and use the code locked in NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Price picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. You're listening to Matchup Wednesday here on the Locked On Seahawks podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined, as always, by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. And happy holidays to all the 12s out there. Thank you for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. It's Matchup Wednesday here, as we do each and every week. And this is a little different one because the Titans, that's not a team the Seahawks play all that often, being an AFC South team. But it's only been a few years since the last time these two teams got together. A lot's changed for both teams. Let's talk Seahawks offense going up against the Titans defense. Now, early in the year, this was a defense that was playing at a pretty high level. And that was when they had a healthy Jeffrey Simmons. They had Kevin Byard still at the safety position. All three of those players probably not going to be on the field. We know at least two of them that won't be. Fulton's on injured reserve. Byard's playing for the Philadelphia Eagles. The Seahawks just played against him. But Jeffrey Simmons also dealing with a knee injury. Didn't practice today. From what I'm hearing, quite unlikely that he's going to be able to turn things around and play on Sunday against the Seahawks. So I think that lends itself to the first matchup here because we'd be talking about Jeffrey Simmons in this case, but they're probably not going to have one of the best defensive tackles in football. And this is a defensive line that has had a number of injuries. They released a former starter as well. There's been a lot of turnover there. And the last two games, they've given up 158 and 148 rushing yards to the Dolphins and the Texans. This is a defensive line that's been getting beat up after a strong start to the season, which means, hey, guard, center, Evan Brown, hey, let's get cooking here. Let's eat it up after a good game against an Eagles front that is much more formidable. Can you carry it over on the road in Tennessee? Yeah, I think that's, a, again, a very good way of describing the Seahawks game plan. Uh, you know, at least what I anticipate to be their game plan is, is you have to feel good. Uh, you know, Pete Carroll certainly felt good. He, he described uh, the opening third quarter drive that resulted in a Ken Walker, the third touchdown against the Philadelphia Eagles as the best drive of their season. Um, and I and that, that was a, a drive that featured the running backs on seven of the nine plays. I think that this is a game in which that you have to try to run the ball right down Tennessee's throat. Um, and a large part of that is because you are not anticipating that they're all pro defense talent. Jeffrey Simmons is going to be available. He's dealing with a knee injury. Now, the Tennessee Titans have a lot of size at the defensive tackle position. I, I'm showing my age here a little bit, Corbin, but I remember there used to be commercials that on TV that used to say, where's the beef? It's what's for dinner. Well, the beef is in the Tennessee Titans defensive line. I mean, they you look at these guys like Quentin Bohannon, uh, Keandre Coburn, Jaleel Johnson, they're averaging 6'4", 325 pounds per guy. That's even after Jeffrey Simmons is potentially out of this football game. That, to me, is going to be one of the most important 
important matchups here for the Seahawks is can Damian Lewis at the left guard, can Evan Brown at center, can uh, Anthony Bradford at the right guard position, can they continue to create the push that they created against the Philadelphia Eagles? And as you mentioned, a more formidable defensive line, but formidable does not necessarily mean physical. And the Philadelphia Eagles just frankly didn't bring it uh, against Seattle uh, uh, you know, a couple of days ago. The Tennessee Titans, because they are not, they don't have all this hype behind them. These are guys who are kind of fighting for their NFL lives, NFL contracts, then perhaps they might bring it. So it's on Seattle's interior offensive line. If they can create that push, then they should be able to walk into Tennessee and be able to leave with a victory. As I mentioned a moment ago, Jeffrey Simmons being out, Kevin Byard is now in Philadelphia, Christian Fulton is on injured reserve, and he is not going to be playing in this football game. The Titans already had issues in the secondary with a healthy Christian Fulton, and this team has given up 47 explosive pass plays this season, 20 or more yards. That is in the top 10 in the NFL, and a lot of those have happened since Kevin Byard was traded away. This team has been giving up big chunk plays left and right. It hasn't necessarily resulted in a ton of points in some games, but the Texans were playing with their backup quarterback last week, and they still found a way to come back and win that game in overtime. This has been a defense that's had issues stopping the run, and they've also given up a lot of explosive plays. So I'm looking at one matchup in particular. Roger McCrary has been the one bright spot for the Titans in this secondary out of the slot, 63 tackles, an interception, four pass breakups. He's a guy that can get his hands on the football. He plays with great physicality for being a smaller corner. But I also see him as a guy that still can be susceptible at times to quickness out of the slot. I actually wonder if this is a game we could see Tyler Lockett do some damage from the slot going against him. Jackson Smith and Jigba might be a better matchup for McCrary based on his skill set. But Tyler Lockett, that might be one to watch. And on the outside, without Christian Fulton, this has been a team that's had a bunch of injuries at the outside cornerback spot. DK Metcalf's coming off that big final drive, another game where he's got to be licking his chops a little bit. The opportunity for some big plays against a defense that has been more than generous giving him up this year. It really has. And that's the thing is that uh, this is a Tennessee Titans secondary that because they don't have a dominant pass rush, because they are are missing the all pro safety, Kevin Byer, that was, as you mentioned, trade away to the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, they've had some injuries here. This is a secondary that you can exploit. Uh, I, I am fascinated. Uh, by the potential matchup. I think this could be a bounce back game for Tyler Lockett. Uh, the reality is, is that DK Metcalf and Jackson Smith and Jigba have been Seattle's best pass catching wide receivers here for the last several weeks in a row, it, it feels like, and certainly made the biggest plays down the stretch for the Seahawks, uh, you know, certainly against the Philadelphia Eagles. And I would argue again for the last month or so. But as you again acknowledge with McCreary, he's a physical corner. I think that he might give Jackson Smith and Jigba a little bit of struggle, but at the same time, I think that um, Tyler Lockett's agility, his savviness as a route runner might be exactly the type of a matchup that could give Roger McCreary, former first round pick out of Auburn, a little bit of, of, of problem. Elijah Molden, I mean, we talked about the, the fact that the Tennessee Titans are not a team that most Seahawks fans are very familiar with. Elijah Molden, former University of Washington product, he is somebody that uh, a lot of Seattle area fans might be familiar with. Elijah Molden's a good football player, as is Sean Murphy Bunting, uh, a first 
free agent that was brought in from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Good football players, but neither of them have the size or the speed, of course, that DK Metcalf does. Who does possess that? So again, while I'm anticipating it's going to be Geno Smith, the quarterback position, if it is Drew Locke, either way, Feature number 14, he is one of the biggest reasons why you are very much still in this playoff conversation. So get into get the ball to him early and often. Set up the run initially, but I do think that the wide receivers for the Seahawks, especially DK Metcalf, has to be a huge part of this game plan. And I also think the run game's got to be a huge part of this sure. football game because I don't think you can go on the road to Nashville against a well-coached team. Mike Vrabel has gotten as much out of this team as he can, I think. There's just there's some talent issues. There's been injuries. They've got some older players. They're starting to cycle out of the lineup, bringing some young guys in. There's been a lot of things working against Mike Vrabel. But if you are one-dimensional against a Mike Vrabel coach team, you can be vulnerable to getting upset on the road, especially for a team that's got nothing to play for but pride. Mike Vrabel's going to find a way to still get those guys excited. So to me, you look at, I mentioned it, the last two games, 158 and 148 rushing yards by the Dolphins and the Texans. This is a front line that has struggled. The linebackers have struggled too. So Ken Walker III leaned heavy on him. And I think this is a game Zach Charbonnet could have even more of an impact too because you talked about the beef that the Titans have. They got some big boys up front, but compensating for that, they don't move very well. And so Zach Charbonnet with his quickness and power combined going against some smaller linebackers, Aziz Alshair, who they are familiar with from his time with the 49ers. He makes a lot of tackles, but he also misses a fair number. He is a smaller, slighter linebacker. That would be a matchup. You get Zach Charbonnet on him, I think you could see some missed tackles and some big yards after contact. So I think just like the Titans are going to be trying to do with Derrick Henry, you want to get that run game established on offense. And, and I think this is a game you build off what you did Monday and you push some guys around, you get some movement with your zone run game. And I think the running backs, you feed them and feed them often. I think it gives you a really good chance to win this football game. As always, you can follow me on threads and X at Corbett Smith NFL. You can follow Rob on X at Rob Rang. Make sure to subscribe and follow Locked on Seahawks on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast to ensure you don't miss a single episode. Coming up tomorrow, I'll be joining Locked on Titans and we'll be diving even further into this matchup on Crossover Thursday. Make sure that you are listening in. That'll be going up live at 9 a.m. Pacific time. Thanks for listening in and enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Go Hawks.